Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Good evening, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. So good to be back with you guys over the break. And I know that, you know, this, this, uh, this fall in particular was a big, long break because of the, just the way the calendar fell with that, with, the, uh, with that uh, you know, bless your neighbor uh, emphasis that we did, and then with the holidays and all that stuff, but it is... So good to be back. We don't we don't uh, we don't have anything planned like that, you know, in the course of of, of this uh, this semester. Okay, so uh, Wednesday nights will be more regular all throughout and through the end of May. There and so uh, good to have everybody out tonight. We're going to begin to walk through the book of First Corinthians. If I can find it in my Bible, here it is. Okay, <laughs> I thought it had been removed. So I got one of those Ben Franklin Bibles or something. All right. <laughs> Did y'all know that Ben Franklin went through and, and ripped out all the pages he didn't like? All right, which was a lot of it. Anything that was miraculous, he didn't want anything miraculous. All right. So, so tonight we're going to begin to walk through First Corinthians, which, as I've looked at it over and over again, y'all, I man, it is a magnificent book. And the reason that it's magnificent is that it deals with real life stuff. That's what I love about the Bible, right? I mean, it is practical. It meets you and me where we are. It is, it is a book written for wretches, okay? I mean, you're going to look at this. You're going to just, there's some things you're going to read here for Corinthians. You're going to scratch your head and you're like, are you kidding me? They did that? All right? It's written for people who don't have it all together. Can anybody relate? Right? It's written for people who need Jesus. And for that reason, I love the book of First Corinthians. So as I've studied through it, one of the overarching themes of the book that I, I, just jumped out to me is the theme of church unity. Church unity, there are, that, that, that's a relevant topic for us Christians in 2019. The aspect of Christian unity in the Christian life, it just leaps off of the pages as you read through this book. Time and time again as the letter progresses. And we're going to think particularly as uh, on that as the overarching theme all throughout the epistle, okay? This letter to the Corinthians, okay? So just some quick background stuff. Who's the author? Paul, right? Ultimately who? God, right? God through Paul. We've got to keep that in mind, right? This is an inspired word from God. This is not just Paul's words. This is the word of God, okay? This is the word of God. It is... The words on the pages are the words of God. God is, it's fully the word of God, okay? Spoken through Paul, okay? He penned this letter most likely in the mid-50s A.D. or A.D. 50s while he was in Ephesus. He was there for a few years ministering to them there, and this was on his third missionary journey when he probably wrote this letter, okay? Um, He had established and, and planted the church at Corinth, uh, a few years earlier on his second missionary journey, okay? And Paul had how many missionary journeys did he have? He had three, okay? So his first one was in the late 40s. Uh, his second one was in the early 50s. And then his last one was in the mid-50s. And then he headed to Rome where he was eventually uh, put to death uh, for his faith, all right? Um, on this third missionary journey, he, he's writing ahead from Ephesus to Corinth to address some things that he had heard. And you've been there before where someone that you love 
is getting into some junk and you get wind of it. And you begin to worry for them. You begin to, your heart begin to break. And so that's what's beginning to happen here, all right? He had concerns that he wanted to address before he got there. He hoped to get there, um, but he was a long way from there yet. Now, Corinth was a city in southern Greece, um, major city of commerce. It was a very strategic place for the gospel to take root in. But it was also a city of great paganism, great paganism, uh, uh, ugly paganism, Ugly immorality. And as you might imagine, the church struggled. It struggled to leave behind some of their old life. Again, can you relate to that? Absolutely. It struggled to get rid of that old junk, their old habits, their old ways of thinking, their old friendships, their old, uh, um, um, uh, you know, think about their traditions and all the things that went along with their life. They, They struggled to leave that behind and to walk in their new life in Christ. And that's what 1 Corinthians is all about. It's there to clear up their confusion because they were confused on some stuff. It was there to correct misunderstanding because they understood things wrongly and it was there to answer their questions. Specifically, at this point, Paul's gotten a letter from them. He's not only heard about them, he's got a letter from them basically saying, you've got some questions or we've got some questions we need you to answer, okay? And so that's the nature of this Letter. So let's look here at the greeting tonight. We're, gonna, we're not going to focus in on this greeting, but we want to read it tonight. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 1 through 9. And so this is the, 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 the greeting and the introduction. Would someone read verses 1 through 9 loudly for us tonight for the group? Who'd do that for us? Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and our brother Sosthenes. Yes. He's a good guy. He is. The church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints together with all those in every place called upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because the grace of God that was given to you, Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him, all speech, all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you are called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, there is a lot there. Right? That's a sort of a standard greeting from Paul, and like, like so many of, his, of, of Paul's letters, man, just the introduction themselves are a theological treatise, okay? So there are things that we could talk about in that text, but for our purpose tonight, we're going to move on to verses 10 through 17 to take as our text tonight to dig into and to expound on tonight. So 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 17 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree... And that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Christmas and Gaius, and that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. 
Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come tonight and look at your word here. I pray that you would speak to us, and God, that we would hear not just words on a page, but that we would hear things that will shape and mold us and build us up and tear us down and do all that the word needs to do tonight, that we would be conformed to your image. Father, we thank you for Christ. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice tonight who is yet to trust Christ, we pray that tonight the Holy Spirit would call them, show them their sin, and they would run to Christ and be saved. And for those of you that aren't in Christ, God, we just want to be more like Christ. Help us tonight, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so here's tonight's task. How do we guard against tribalism in the church? How do we guard against tribalism in the church? So how would you define that word tribalism? Any idea? How would you define that? Is that a word that you use very often? It's been used a lot maybe out in the world today. How would you define it? Click. Okay, a click. Yep. Well, we were talking about this morning a little bit, Ben, at breakfast, yeah. about tradition uh, mm-hmm. versus uh, current uh, worship practices and and how some people just hang on to sure. one thing and others reject. Uh-huh. Yeah, not just music, but a lot of things. Right. <clears throat> sure. What else? Any other definitions you think as you think about tribalism? It's usually a group of the leader. Okay, a group of the leader. Yeah, a chief in that. There you go. Yeah. You've got to have a chief of the tribe. And you align with that chief. Yeah, yeah. And you not only align with that chief, but you think you're a chief in your group. It's better than theirs, right? My, my team's better than yours, all right? So as I think about the definition of tribalism, it, it's strongly identifying with your own group and thinking you're better than everyone else or that you are against everybody else, okay? There's that competition aspect of tribalism. So as you think about just the culture around us here, where do we see tribalism played out every day? Okay, policy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Republican, Democrat. I mean, even last night, right, we had the uh, address from the Oval Office and then I guess the rebuttal from the Oval Office, maybe, from the other side. Uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how you let him in there. He's, <laughs> I guess he could lock the keys. Like, you can't, y'all go find somewhere else to talk from. But anyway, I guess that would be tribalism, wouldn't it? <laughs> More tribalism. So in politics, definitely. And, you know, it, it does seem to be that we are more tribal today now than ever. I mean, everything's become politicized. You know, those of you who, you know, I, I didn't begin voting until, what, I guess it was the, 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 the Bush-Gore election, 2000. That was my first presidential election. And it seems, it, you know, pretty partisan since then. But before then, it seemed to be maybe a little bit different. Is that true, those of you that voted before that? Did, was it less partisan back in the day? No, it wasn't. I think it's always been. It's always been? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. So we see that definitely in politics. Where else do you see it? I had a seventh grade student one time say, "I ain't a Christian. I'm a Baptist." Okay. That's right. I hear you. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. That's right. So I remember one, uh, one sweet old lady. Um, 
that, that came uh, over from the East Campus one day. She wanted to show her, her son the new church building. They were in the area, and she came in, and she said, now, he used to be a Baptist. He's Presbyterian now. She, she, so she's, she was apologizing for the fact that he wasn't a Baptist anymore, and I'm like, hey, they're Christians too. It's okay. <laughs> so anyway, just, but we do. We get that tribalism you know, amongst denominations, okay? Absolutely, we can do that. Where else do you see it? Well, even amongst Baptists, uh, some would be label themselves as being more fundamental than mm-hmm. uh, those that would be less fundamental. Yeah, fundamental, evangelical, progressive, all sorts of strands, all sorts of strands. So we see it in the church. We see it in the sports world. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Steve over here, he's a true fan. He's, a, he's really into tribalism, right? Cleveland Indians fan over here. You, are you like one, one guy in that tribe or what? <laughs> Only one around. That's right. That's right. But yeah, I think about the Kentucky Wildcats, or maybe your Cards fan. All right. Today, Ed Gent was over here, and he said, "Man, I can't wait. One of these days, I'm going to take that Kentucky license plate right off the front of your truck." He's a big Western fan, you know. So, so we do it everywhere, guys. It's, it's just a part of life. Sometimes it's for fun, like with sports. But even sometimes the sports stuff doesn't turn out fun. I mean, think about some of the soccer stuff you hear in other countries, like where they're killing each other. Over which team you support, okay? So, so it's everywhere. Um, it ha- but it happens in the church all the time also. And we have to guard against it. We really do have to guard against it. So our text here points us to three actions. And I just want to challenge you with tonight. You think about guarding against tribalism, okay? Guarding against tribalism. The first one is this, is to realize that unity is God's plan for the church. That's God's plan, y'all. Look at verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment, okay? This is the reason that Paul's writing to them. He's communicating God's plan to them, God's will for the church. He's essentially saying, stop with this division stuff. Stop with this tribalism junk. Be united. And he doesn't appeal to his apostolic authority, does he? Whose authority does he appeal to? He appeals to the one that was born that they would be one. He appeals to the one who lived that holy life that they would be one, who was crucified on the cross of Calvary that they would be one, that rose again from the dead that they would be one. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Tribalism is not God's plan. Unity is. Togetherness is God's plan. And we need to be together. Right? Particularly in the day and age we live in, guys. Because we live in a day and age where Christianity is, is on the attack a bit. Okay? We've got to stand together in the name of Jesus. Be one. That's not our natural inclination, is it? That's not our natural inclination. The gravity of our depravity pulls us toward division. So when you think about particularly in the church, let's brainstorm this. Talk this out with me tonight. I've got my list of where I think it could happen. But where do you see opportunities for division to grow in the church, in this church? What would you say? I think personal preferences. 
Okay. Personal preferences, that's right. I like this music or I like that music. I like this style of preaching or I like that style of preaching. Uh, I like this preacher. I like that preacher. The, the, the preferences go, I mean, it's as many as there are people. But certainly preferences is one of those things that could happen in this church. What are the, what are the places? That's right, yeah, between the ages. Yeah, and I've seen that before where, you know, the, the, the older folks don't respect the younger folks. They don't, they don't want to make a way for them really to be a part of the church. They want them to sit down, shut up, and be quiet, you know. And, uh, and then vice versa, you know, where the younger folks, they don't show respect to the older folks at all. They just blow them off, don't give them the time of day. Absolutely, that could happen. Where else? Priorities on how to spend finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Certainly can because uh, we only have so many dollars, and everybody thinks that their horse is the prettiest, right? Spend the money on my horse, you know, to get the job done. And so, yeah, absolutely, it can be there. Who's really running the church? Okay, who's really running the church? Absolutely. Yeah. So, is it uh, this committee or that committee? Uh, is it this pastor or that pastor? Uh, you know, is it that secret committee? Because there's always a... Se- Brother Gary, there's always a secret committee, ain't there? Right? There's always the decision that's made before the meeting with that secret committee, right? You know, so is it that? Is that that shadow cabal that's uh, behind it all? Certainly. It could be between families. You know, maybe families uh, are, are sort of in a competition for whatever reason or... Or, or, or they think that, that my kids are better than your kids, or my kids are too good to be around your kids, or we'll just do our own thing and, and make the church just a little bit aspect of who we are. Perhaps there's unhealthy family competition, like I said, or just independence from the church. How about between small groups? Right, that could happen. Right? I'm of Phil. No, I'm of Gene. No, I'm of, I'm of Jim. No, I'm of Wes. No, I'm of Clint. No, I'm of Steve. No, no, no. I'm a Ben, you know, so, you know, we can do all that, right? There's that competition within the church where, we, where we're just tribalized and we think that our group is the best and all this stuff. And, 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 and uh, I think it was Yolanda, was you the one that said, were you the one that said cliques? Was that you? And so even to the point where we become cliquish, where we say, our four no more, right? You know, our group, we're kind of sad, you know, you have these new folks coming in. I don't want to mess up what we have, you know, so it can kind of become like that as well, potentially. It can, it can happen between ministries, and that kind of come, comes along with budget as well, or, or even volunteers, you know, youth ministry versus the children's ministry, or music ministry versus the adult ministry. Or it could be in our context here between campuses. I'm of Tom, or I'm of Ben. I'm of South Campus. I'm of East Campus. And so all those, there, there's just, we could be here all night naming potential places for division, in the church, okay? They're, they're a multitude, right? There's a plethora of them, okay? But more importantly than the opportunities there, we need to understand what are some of the places or some of the things, I mean, that pull us toward divisions like that. What's going on in the hearts of us, in our hearts, that get us to this direction, to this point where we're becoming tribal? What are some of those things that lead us, that pull us toward divisions? We could just say sin, but... That's sort of a blanket thing. We need to be more specific than that. What would you say? Misunderstanding something. Okay. Yeah, that could be part of it. If you didn't understand something, that could make you go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It could, absolutely. Yeah, just misunderstanding something or, or ignorance in the best sense of the word, right? You just didn't know that. And so you, you, you made a, a judgment on that and you didn't really understand what was happening. What else? Pride. Absolutely. Pride's a big one. And that may be the biggest one, right? Not only, uh, you know, could I do it better, but we are better. You know, we, if, if this class would just do it how we do it, people would really be more like Jesus. There would really be fellowship amongst the people. I mean, it would be just beautiful, okay? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because God can sometimes give you something that the church isn't ready for yet, right? And so, like, your test is not did you understand what God said? The test is am I patient enough until God tells them to, <laughs> you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been there. I've been out before people before. You know, we've all been there where I see this. And I don't know why the church doesn't get this. Absolutely, that's there. What else would you say? Kind of go along with that. Our, what our favorite thing, you know, our, what's mm-hmm. near to our heart. Yep. Can kind of go along with what Jesus said. Absolutely, yeah. And you were saying, Gene? Control. Control, yeah. All these things are there. <laughs> yes? Sometimes personality uh, can impact the, the whole issue of unity. Uh-huh. Because over the years, I've sat under pastors that were very... Type A, yep. and others that were very, you know, not F. <laughs> the other, the other sure. side, you know, just very flat almost. Right. And mm-hmm. and so every person in that congregation relates or doesn't relate to the person. Not necessarily about what they're preaching, but their the personality and and how they reach right. to other people. Sure, absolutely, yeah. So personality comes down to a lot of it. It really does. Okay, but again, guys, all these things can, can easily divide, all right? So God says here through Paul, come on, guys, you need to agree. You need to uh, have no divisions among you. You should be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. And that's God's plan for the church, okay? That's God's plan for the So you, when you realize this, you begin to guard against unity. Secondly, to guard against tribalism, you've got to call out division. You have to call out division in the church. Tribalism can grow strong when left unchecked. It can. It can grow strong when left unchecked. When we see it, we can't remain silent about it. We have to call it out. We have to lovingly speak the truth in love, right? Which is exactly what Chloe's people, we are looking here, 1 Corinthians 1.11. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. We don't really know anything about Chloe, right? We don't know what she was about, but apparently it was her household who committed the... Uh, who, who communicated this mess that was going on in the church there at Corinth. They had had enough. And so Paul, he, 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 he basically you know, gives some specific examples here, some insight into what he heard. He said, verse 12, he said, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Now we know who Paul was. The apostle, the church planter, the first pastor, so to speak. We know who Cephas was. Cephas is also known as Peter, right? And so perhaps these folks were saved through some influence, either directly or indirectly, of Peter. And we, of course, know who Christ was. But there's this fourth person that's mentioned there, and his name is Apollos. Who was he? Anybody have any idea who Apollos was? Very 
Great order. Okay. John MacArthur, he, he's convinced that Apollos was, uh, was Corinth's second pastor. That, 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 that Paul had ministered in Corinth for a year and a half and planting that church, pastoring that church. And when he left, he then sent Apollos to, their, to be their second pastor. And so by the time that Paul's writing here, they had already formed four tribes in this church. Four tribes in this church. So I follow Pastor Paul, some said. And the nuances of his doctrine and the nuances of his practice. Or I follow Apollos and the nuances of his doctrine, his practices, or Cephas. Or there's this other group here, this fourth group, who is probably the most smug and self-righteous of all the tribes. Who just said, I follow Christ. I don't need any human teacher. I've got this special relationship with Jesus. I'm on another level. Right? You've met people before who thought they were on another level. Okay. Chloe and her folks, they had enough, so they informed Paul. It was repugnant to Paul. It was repugnant to Paul. He, he couldn't believe it. He, he responds in, in 1 Corinthians 13 through 17. Look what he says here. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I was baptized, uh, that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Man, aren't those powerful questions? Think about that for a minute. Is Christ divided? And the answer is, no. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer to all three questions, no, Christ is not divided. Paul didn't die for anybody. No one was baptized in the name of Paul. So he's calling out, he's showing them the foolishness of their division. That's exactly what we should do when there's division. We should call it out, right? We should call it out in our own hearts, in our own minds. That's exactly what the comedian Emo Phillips, maybe you've heard the joke that he wrote years ago, that just, just the, this, this little piece of comedic satire, he said this. He said, I can't, I can't do the flat delivery like emo, but he said, you know, once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912 and I said, Die, heretic! And pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, but that's how we act sometimes in the church, right? They had, we let so many things divide us. So many things divide us. Even the minutest of things 
And guys, this should not be, and when we see it, we should not be silent. We need to speak up and speak out. And for those of us who are new, and so if you're new here, last year, last two years, listen, this is something that, 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 that you can really help us with, okay, as a church. You can really help us. As I'm looking around the room, I see a lot of folks that fall in that category, and I'm thankful for you, okay? Because here's the deal. You come in with new eyes. You haven't yet been desensitized to the divisions that may be at work in our midst, okay? And so you have the ability to see things we don't see because time has a way of making you blind, all right? So, you know, if there are things that you see that, you know, that could be troublesome or worrisome, division, um, you know, one, you know, you can, um, you can, you can work against that in, in a good way, right? And you can also talk to someone. You know, hey, have you ever noticed this? And see if they see it. And you know, I don't know if this is good or not, okay? So finally, um, tonight, to guard against tribalism, you must work together to magnify the name of God. God put us together to work together, didn't he? Right? Think about this. This plays out a bit more in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 9. So we're going to read this and wrap it up here in just a moment. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 9, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we're all God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. Paul here is trying to demonstrate that he and Apollos are on the same team. They're both serving the same master for the same purpose. They had different roles, and they did it at different times. Paul planted. Apollos came along later and watered, but they both did it for God. And as I said Sunday, it takes every one of us. Every single one of us. We're not rivals. We're teammates, right? Teammates. And so since it's basketball season, you know, when you think about some of the greatest rivalries in the NBA, you have to think about the Boston Celtics and the L.A. Lakers. Now, if you know anything about basketball in the 80s, you know, literally, they're, you know, from 80 to 89, so 10 years, either the Celtics or the Lakers were in the NBA Finals. One of those teams were in there every year. The Lakers were in there eight years. The Celtics were in there five years. The Lakers won it five times in the 80s. The Celtics won it three times in the 80s. And three of those years between the Lakers and the Celtics, out of those 10 years, they faced each other. And you know what? They hated each other. Exemplified by this picture right here. That is Kevin McHale clotheslining Kurt Rambis when he had a wide open layup. I mean, literally. I mean, and Kevin McHale didn't even get kicked out of the game back in those days, I don't think. I mean, that was just, that's how they did it back then, right? I mean, they, they would let him play for the rest of the year, and he did that today, right? I mean, that's exemplary of how much they hated one another. I mean, they were bitter, bitter rivals. 
But coming into the 1992 Olympics, these rivals got a higher calling. Here's another picture. Now, it may be hard for you to see, but number seven is who? Larry Bird. And number 15 is who? Magic Johnson, right? Celtics Lakers here on one team, all right? And as I think about this for just a moment, these rivals were no longer on different teams, right? They were on the same team. They had to work together to win the gold, and that's exactly what they did. So I say to you tonight, beloved, we have to do the same thing. We have to lay aside our rivalries. We have to, 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 as individuals, lay aside our own ambitions. We come together to work to glorify the name of God. So I say to you tonight, you know, let your pride fall. That's what Paul's promoting here when he says, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Basically, I'm nothing. God is everything. We're merely servants. God's the master. He's the one who gets all the glory. And we simply come together to do that, to glorify God. Beloved, we come together for the same purpose and we work together to magnify the name of God. So it's time to get rid of tribalism in our midst, okay? It's interesting, in the book of Revelation, you have this picture there of all of the saved throughout history. And it says there in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, we'll just look at verse 9. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that had no, or that no one could number, from every, tri- from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Guys, listen to me. You may come to Christ in tribes, but He takes those tribes and He makes us one. So my final prayer tonight, may there be one tribe and one nation under God in Christ Jesus. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. 
He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.